There's a lot to love about the big mega hits of Weekly Shonen Jump. There's a reason they're so big after all, right? Big bombastic things that found their audience growing into expansive long-term commitments that show the best of their respective genres to readers the entire world over. But you know what I love? I love the strange, malformed entries in the magazine's history, the oddities that completely fail to find an audience and either implode awkwardly or wrap up as a tiny, barely-loved thing, consigned to a forgotten oblivion, or at the very least, a digital storefront. Today we're going to talk about Hoopman, a failed basketball series by Yukinori Kawaguchi, and one of my absolute all-time favourite comics. Welcome to Friendship Effort Victory, a podcast about the various titles of Weekly Shonen Jump. Let's walk back in time, to 2009 in particular. President Barack Obama is inaugurated in America, Michael Jackson tragically passes away, Avatar tops the US box office for reasons that we're still not entirely sure about. Naruto hits its 10th anniversary in Weekly Shonen Jump, and that very same magazine has finally found a new basketball series with legs, some 13 years after Slam Dunk concluded with Kuroko's Basketball. Just over two months later, Hooperman debuts in the same issue that Kuroko's Basketball receives a promotional colour page. It's probably a mistake. Yes, this is the tale of the little basketball series that absolutely couldn't, hampered by unfortunate timing and editorial decisions, and if we're being honest, for not living up to what people expect from a Shonen Jump comic. But before we really go into all that, I should probably explain a little about what Hooperman actually is, to give you all a chance to form an opinion about it before I lament its failure and point a wagging finger at a much more accomplished series for overshadowing it. Really listen to me. What? White men can't... Yuho Sato is a bit of a slacker, whiling away the days at school with his friends, dossing about, playing games, and failing to get with any girls, when the manager of the school basketball club, Mao Kogane, appears to call him out for a confession, which then turns out to actually be her wanting him to join the basketball club, which then turns out to actually be her needing Yuho to translate for new American transfer and basketball wunderkind, Joshua Kuji Griffin Jr. Say that ten times fast. It's this wild series of fake-outs, but it's a starting point for Yuho actually getting involved in the basketball club, from interpreting Josh, and is interpreting. Josh's American level of frankness would cause a lot of problems if Yuho straight up passed the messages along, so he often sugars the pill into much more pleasant advice and criticisms, or often just says something completely different because, hey, there's no way he can pass that on, am I right? to learning how to actually play the game, to the sort of intense training and effort needed to be a valuable member of the team. It's a sort of slow build that you'd realistically get from a latecomer to a sport, give or take the translating of course, which yes, I'll talk about later. But such a slow start isn't necessarily what makes for a, sp uh, <laughs> for a thrilling sports adventure primarily aimed at teenage boys. But yes, the story takes Yuho on a very, very short 17 chapter journey as his small team of upstarts take on teams far more renowned to claw their way to victory. A proper underdog story, starving an even properer underdog. I deliberately don't use good English, do not comment. Each newly introduced team member sticks out. 
Yuho himself is a fully fleshed out and complicated character with a detailed backstory from his knowledge of English born from growing up with a western family next door spending his childhood alongside their kid to a long habit of giving up on hobbies when it doesn't result in a girl's interest to the most minor touches of self-consciousness about the moles by his eye caused by bullying in the past the moles weren't caused by the bullying in the past uh the the self-consciousness was and I only realise now, uh, saying that out loud, that that might be confusing. <laughs> but it means that he's got this visual clue as to when he's feeling stressed because he starts like gently poking at the moles with his finger. I, I love neat touches like that. It's a, it's a visual shorthand that's really effective because it feels like it's his visual shorthand, whether he knows it or not. Uh, it feels so much more fleshed out than what you're given in most protagonists. And he still develops from there through his attachment to basketball starting as a way to impress their manager, but quickly changing to him actually wanting to be in an ace duo with Josh, to uh, him quickly reassessing that and getting grounded in reality, uh, just wanting to be a good enough player to stand with his friends. His frustration with how much he wants to grow and how hard it is to do so feels like our frustration as the reader fighting alongside him to improve and achieve something. It's definitely the effort quotient of the FEV mantra, covered completely by just one character's struggle, even if it isn't nearly as bombastic as most would expect from Weekly Shonen Jump. Joshua, then, is much more of a hero in the traditional Jump mould. He's talented, he's energetic, he's popular, with only a complete inability to communicate to hold him back, and he understands the value of teamwork better than anyone else in the series, often saying something that translates to the effect of a... Basketball isn't something that you can do alone, which is a somewhat profound statement in its own way, and I'm sure there's ways of picking that apart, but you you know what he means, I know what he means, and I think it sounds good. Uh, Josh may come across as the ace, or one of the two aces on the team, as I'll get to in a second, and he can be incredibly rough in how he tells others to improve, but it's all in service of him wanting and needing a team he can rely on as much as they can rely on him, a character trait well-rooted in his actual position as point guard. He can best playmake when there's players who can actually deliver on his plays, after all. If it isn't clear by how I talk about sports comics, I'm not great at the terminology. It might be a beloved genre of comic for me, but I am a little bit dumb uh, with sports, not as a human being. I like to think I'm, you know, I like to think I'm sharp enough. Uh, and also, I don't come to it for the words, I come to it for the SPORTS! The most interesting character on the team, in execution though, is uh, neither of our two leads, but rather the absentee long-time member and goofy ladies man, Asumo Kamuta. Uh, Kawaguchi baits us a little, building him up as a potential love rival, as the team ace that Yuho has to surpass. And Yuho buys into the idea in his head a little bit, pretending to translate for Josh to present a challenge between himself and Asumu. And here's the thing. It's clobbering time. About that. Uh, the rug is almost immediately pulled out from under us when it comes to uh, what both he and the reader expects going in there. Uh, Asumu is a nice dude, basketball crazy, having worked to be good at it since childhood. And he's not actually really a romantic rival with Yuho. Really, there's not even a real thing of either of them actually going for Kogane in the end. He's not someone for Yuho to surpass, and Yuho most definitely cannot do that. Like, when Yuho challenges Asumu, he actually fails to even dribble the ball. They're in different leagues. 
But crucially, Atomo wants Yuho to learn and grow into a good player because they're on the same team and they become friends. Uh, both Yuho and the reader have their perceptions challenged with the simple reality that most of the time, actual people are just kind of nice to each other, especially when you're both working towards the same goal. From that simple adjustment of expectation, Asamu uh, turns into one of the linchpins of the series. He's there to help encourage Yuho to keep playing when he's not feeling capable enough. He's there to call him off, literally, with cooling sprays when he's stuck overthinking. And he's there to win games in a stunning combo with Josh. And he does all this while being really intensely likeable. Like, sure, he shows off a lot to girls given literally any opportunity to do so. But that's just him being a goofball. There's not actually anything intrinsically bad with being like that. Like, he's not gross about it. He's just kind of doofy and likes showing off. That's fun. It's uh, it's actually really refreshing to see this sort of character in a Shonen Jump manga. Uh, even if it kind of comes at the expense of giving Yuho an actual rival, even later editions like Tasuya, a giant hulking idiot who would rather suplex people on the basketball court uh, rather than learn how to play properly, doesn't actually manage to be much of a rival, like, as much as another person who's got skills beyond Yuho, once he starts to show his talent, at least. If you can believe that a giant guy who suplexes people has talent, turns out he's good at rebounds. He's just, he's just kind of an idiot. That's kind of a problem, isn't it? There's not actually nearly enough external conflict in Hoopman's short run. There's maybe one player that presents as a specific obstacle for Yuho in one game. And beyond that, nada, zip, zilch, no rivals, it's just not a thing. It's one of a handful of problems Hoopman presents that absolutely killed its chances of succeeding, especially in Shonen Jump. And we're going to look at that in some more detail. But first, it's the middle of the show. Life is uh, hey guys, welcome to the middle of the show. This is where I get to talk in a bit of a more relaxed way, touch base a little, because it doesn't really fit at the end very well. And I, I think it, it gives me a chance to say the stuff and you're going to listen because you want to hear the rest of the show. It's pretty good. Um, first of all, sorry for being late. This episode was supposed to have gone up a few days earlier than uh, when it's actually released. And that's mostly just because, uh, as it turns out, December sucks for trying to do things. That's not a good time to make podcasts. I should have been smarter about that. Um, but everything's back on track. The episode is out. You're hearing it. And the next one should still be coming out on its original planned date, December 28th. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, first, I've got a nice little new thing. Uh, I'm going to give out a little message. Message in the so this is a message from to Rancime saying, Merry Christmas from your secret Santa. Um, apparently quite a fan of manga and anime, and hopefully you listen to the show, otherwise this will be weird, right? I mean, how are you hearing this? I, m maybe they've played it to you. Either way, I hope you enjoy this. It's kind of fun to give little messages. And if anybody wants a message, just a short little message that I'll, I'll have fun with, because why not? Uh, you can drop me a Kofi if you go to kofi.com uh, maxib just buy a single coffee you can have me just do a nice little couple of sentences maybe i can just say some stuff it's nice it shows a bit of a community spirit which i feel like is needed when a podcast is just me talking and also it gets me a couple of quid i've said it before i'll I, I will make this podcast anyway but it really does help me actually get the materials to talk about if i get little bits of money and kofi conveniently the amount of money it gives for like a single coffee is about the price of a single volume on Bookwalker, and that can't be undersold. 
Big news at the moment. Before before we get back to it, we need to talk about the big news. Uh, Viz's weekly Shonen Jump is kind of ending and moving on to a new stage. It used to be this digital magazine. You could pay like 70p an issue every week and read like 200 pages of manga from Weekly Shonen Jump, Jump Square, and V Jump. Uh, that's going. That's gone away now. As of the time this episode's come out, uh, it has been replaced by getting all the simultaneously published chapters from Japan from those magazines and from Jump Plus, uh, all for free. All of them. And that's kind of fantastic. They've added a whole bunch of new series, including Jujutsu Kaisen, which I read in Japanese, and I love it a lot. It's kind of dark and twisted. It feels it feels a little bleachy, but without being anything like it, you know. It, it, it's got that nice sort of dark feeling to it. Uh, and also Act Age, which people assure me is going to be big. I liked its jumpstart run uh, at the start of the year, so thumbs up. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So from now on, like, if you go to shonenjump.com, as of the 17th of December, things are going to be different. And if you pay up, you can look through a massive, massive back catalogue of chapters, which is hopefully going to be super useful to me as a person who makes podcasts about Shonen Jump stuff and clearly struggles when the things aren't already in English because, hey, this episode's out late. And it's especially useful because the next episode on December 28th, as voted for by all of you, is We Never Learn by Taishi Sasui, which Viz have published in Weekly Shonen Jump. And if I can go through all those chapters without having to download all the magazines that they've been in for like a year and a half or whatnot, that's really good for me. And uh, with that said, that episode will be out December 28th. I hope you enjoyed the rest of this episode. And now it's back to Max with the sports. So, I love Hoopman, but it was 100% cancelled, and not just because another basketball series had landed two months before it. The series does have a few issues, and it makes itself deliberately a hard sell by being almost anti-Shonen Jump in its vibe. Like I said about how it had the effort earlier in Yuho, and it, it does have friendship effort victory to it, but it also doesn't really feel like a Shonen Jump comic. Uh, Yuho's lack of skills, his lack of special talent, make him a far cry from the normal Shonen Jump protagonist, and whilst I feel, as a person who's clearly read way too many Shonen Jump manga, that this take on a character, one whose only growth is born from introspection and immense long-term effort, a character who rejects the very idea of special talent in favour of building himself up from success and failures, X's and O's, climbing the visual metaphor of a tower made of those X's and O's as his path to any skill whatsoever, that sort of character immensely appeals to me as something we don't get to see in Jump Manga. But it isn't what people read Jump for, and that's an easy way to get summarily rejected by the audience you should actually be trying to court at least a little bit. And that aforementioned lack of arrival, uh, with Yuho's only real battle being between him and an enemy player he doesn't even really learn the name of, who he makes into an emblem of the him that used to be a cynical, unmotivated player who doesn't strive for more. And so his victory against this person, who he literally just calls like Sato, name assumed, uh, is just that, a victory against Yuho Sato himself. The opponent is just a mirror he needs to actualize the idea. It's a really cool moment. It, it's genuinely some of the best writing I could imagine for for that sort of growth in a character. But it it doesn't give you her rival. He continues not to have one, and that's a core part of the Shonen Jump build when it comes to a manga series. I wouldn't necessarily change it. I love it. I think it makes for a series unlike literally anything that's been in Jump before or since. Same with Yuho's unique characterization. 
but it doesn't sell. And sadly, when you're in the most mainstream comics magazine in the world, you really, really, really need to sell people on your series. The art as well. I think Yukinori Karaguchi has a great art style. And, I mean, it has only improved with his current work, which I'll mention later, but it's terribly utilised here. We'll have amazing sequences, so in Josh or Atsumu doing amazing ball play or tricks, or visually wild moments like Lunkhead Tatsura suplexing Yuho or catching a rebound in an over-the-top way. But then we'll also get a huge amount of talking heads in the middle of a match. Talking heads aren't as lamentable an idea in comic storytelling as people would have you think. They can be used to better convey emotion in very talky scenes. And they have some good classic songs. Hey, easy music joke. Ba da ba ba da ba bum. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. But as a storytelling device, they have their time and place. And in the middle of the high octane sport the characters are supposed to be playing, it just doesn't fit. I don't know if it was a deliberate choice to convey a certain feeling during a game. But it doesn't work and it kind of just feels like a rookie mistake, to this reader at least. Also, and I can't believe this requires saying, but in a team-based sports manga, you need a team of recognisable characters and personalities. And this series literally has, it has a title page for chapter 5, right? That has every player, manager and advisor for the team. And it's at least 75% literally who. The team members, outside of Yuho, Josh, Asuma, Tatsura, and maybe the captain, whose name I've forgotten, just don't have any sticking power. You only really need five players properly for basketball, but any sportsman can worth its salt makes sure to have a large group of diverse personalities, to spice things up where need be, or to have established faces when newcomers like Josh and Yuho join up. It's... it's a bit of a mess. It does allow Kawaguchi to better focus on Yuho, and this series does function best as a character piece, but that doesn't stop this being a huge problem for this type of sports manga. Basketball isn't suited to almost exclusively single character exploration. It's, it's a weird fit of sport and story type, I guess. These issues aren't game breakers, and I mean, I clearly love like 66% of them, which kind of presents a question when we talk about weekly Shonen Jump series. Should they prioritise the audience, or what they want to do with their own work? I don't think there's a good answer when we're this far into the mainstream, and that kind of... That sucks, right? <laughs> it really sucks. And I think that question alone is responsible for most successes and failures in Weekly Shonen Jump, if not just comics in general. And the thing is... I think if we ever had a perfect answer, the sea would change, and it wouldn't be correct again. There's no winning here, and Hoopman... It definitely didn't win. I'm not sure it even tried, which is admirable to a fool like me, but it's not smart, is it? Hirohiko Araki, author of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, has a book called Manga Inferior Practice, where he discusses the idea of a royal road for manga to follow, and whilst I don't subscribe to it in its entirety, it is just the opinion of one creator after all, and what works for one person may not be strictly true for all creators, but it is totally useful when looking at this series. As an author, Araki makes what interests him, but he follows certain ideals in creation to keep it appealing to his idea of the audience, or at least what he himself would want to read. This is mostly expressed for the idea of this royal road, and in particular a thing that sticks out in his description of the various facets of it is the idea that the hero should always be rising, the walls need to be overcome swiftly else become a weight around the neck of the series, and that a negative protagonist is a mistake. That last one 
is a painful moment here for a reason, so um, I want to specifically quote the bit. Imagine a sports manga with a protagonist who is weak, friendless, and constantly bullied. As a starting point, we're on the negative side. But if the negatives continue, if he tries, and tries, and tries, and never succeeds, would you want to keep reading something so depressing? No, what people want is a positive story, where a loser triumphs over a bad situation to become a national champion. Yuho definitely isn't friendless, and his being bullied is in his past, but he starts weak, and often comes close to not persevering, to not continuing. It's actually a character trait of his. And he does fail, over and over, in often embarrassing ways. And whilst that all does go somewhere, with him eventually making something of himself, it's quite telling that this is towards the end of the series, when the axe may have already dropped. You can't be that slow with the Royal Road. A slow climb can seem like stagnation or a failing path if you aren't able to look far enough ahead. And in Weekly Comics production, you don't get to look far enough ahead. Only the author can see, the reader won't understand. I want to talk about a few things I'm fond of in this series before we do the normal assistant chart rap and slap. And I can't think of a better starting point than the fact that this manga is about translation. Not about about translation, but it's one of the core points the entire story hangs on. I can't think of many manga that have landed the idea of a non-Japanese speaking character in the main cast, and Kawaguchi's approach here is fantastic, as it basically stays relevant right up till the end, even as Josh slowly starts learning Japanese. It's presented really well with some actual English uh, in a nice script, which can't be undersold when it comes to Japanese comics doing English. Uh, font choices go weirdly awry in these things. And there's this nice double lining on speech bubbles to better differentiate it, along with the usual thing of organising lines horizontally instead of vertically as a shorthand for it being in a western language, which are all touches that are appreciated in making your comic look good. This translation aspect, it fundamentally affects relationships too. Josh and Yuho have to be at least a little close, because Josh relies on Yuho to be his mouth and ears, and Yuho by default has to interact with whoever Josh needs to in a given moment, could easily be an unbalanced relationship, but both Josh and Yuho are real decent about it, and their friendship is far more than just a common language. English even comes up in the ending too, in a weird way. Uh, Tasua starts learning it to go to America, and it's a hilarious contrast to the others. Just uh, getting to see the difference between people who've been speaking it most of their lives versus someone who pretty much can only manage to say, I am a champion, you are not a champion. <laughs> Which is very in character for uh, for the dumbass. The whole ending is kind of buckwild too, actually. It does what those in manga fandom call the King Crimson effect, something I definitely want to talk about more. But it's essentially a sort of trope based on a character in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure who can cut moments of time away, used to describe the often inexplicable time jumps cancelled manga make in their last chapters to show what could have been, and what could have been in Hoopman is certainly unexpected. The team has gone on to success, and Yuho even actually has success with a girl. But it's not Kogane. There's clearly still some affection for her from him, but he's grown in a surprising direction, and it's both bizarre to see a sudden new love interest at the last moment, and extremely heartening, because it firmly removed Kogane from being treated just as someone to pine after. Not that she ever really was, it, it didn't quite work out that way, but it would have been a terrible trap to fall into at the end.
Josh and Asumu both get into sports-focused universities on scholarships, the obvious path for their talent, but what stands out as the most interesting thing is that Yuho totally doesn't go that path. He wasn't a bad player in the end, and we're even told that he's responsible for the winning shot of the tournament, uh, whichever sports tournament they were playing, but he's not ace material and, and so plans to go on to an ordinary university. He'll keep playing basketball, this love has been born in him from his time with Josh and the others, but he has a realistic outlook on what his continued play will look like, and I like that. I don't think a big, huge, life-changing ending for Yuho would have been in keeping with how the story had been presented up till now. This is the right ending for Hoopman, weird mess that it kind of is. Some other small things. Yuho's non-sporting friends are like a Greek chorus providing criticism and observations from above the court, and it feels fully theatrical for it, like it's it definitely feels like a real choice to actually have them as a Greek chorus. It's 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 neat. I just think they're neat. The first two pages of chapter 16 are nine panel grids from Yuho's viewpoint, showing how characters refer to him, and just in them saying his name, or whatever they do call him, you get a real viewpoint into their relationship. It's surprisingly affecting. Yuho's bristling at his hard-earned ability to make three-point shots being called talent is powerful as heck, uh, as he's earned every inch of his skill he's built for himself, and I think that's a powerful message to young readers. And finally, it never really descends into fan service to try and save its hide. It feels like a rare case of an author standing by his work as it sinks. It's um, It doesn't really help it, but it certainly makes it more fondly remembered for me to know that it didn't compromise at the end. I love Hoopman. I've said it before, it's my favourite cancelled Shonen Jump comic, and it could have been so much more. It's been out of print for an age, and only recently debuted on digital storefronts almost a decade after its cancellation, and would almost certainly never come out in English, which feels a shame as it's very much a hidden gem in Jump's crown. I cannot recommend it enough to anyone willing to brave the Japanese language. I feel like there's a lot you can get out of it, especially if you have read a fair amount of Shonen Jump comics, because I feel like it stands as an interesting uh, counter to the norm. There's nothing quite like it out there. It's a mess, but it's my mess, you know? I mean, it's Yukonoi Kawaguchi's mess, but I feel fond of it. I'm fond of this mess. So, the assistant shot! I still don't have Sting here, so it's desistant chart bombadum. Yukinori Kawaguchi has been an assistant to, of all people, uh, Yusuke Murata, the artist of One Punch Man, and quite importantly in this case, Aishul 21. A huge series that is very much the opposite of Hoopman, this sprawling thing focusing on so very many different and varied characters, always rising all the time. One wonders if Kawaguchi had chosen to do something so drastically different because of experiences helping on that book, but I might just be speculating mindlessly. It's probably definitely the speculating mindlessly. Kawaguchi's assistants have included Ryusuke Takuchi, writer of the manga adaptation of All You Need Is Kill, which is available in English, hence it leading this list, uh, the recent Jump Square hit Moriarty the Patriots, which is uh, a version of Sherlock Holmes storyline where Moriarty is the protagonist, which that's neat. I've, I've not read it, I want to. Uh, and the cultest of cult shonen jump series, stars where instead of the A it's an ampersand, which is this miniature sci-fi bundle of joy that I've talked about on an earlier version of FEV, uh, and certainly something I'm dying to revisit in the future. Alongside Takeuchi was Tsubasa Sugie, 
a quite talented author who has been doing an Air Force-focused series called Tenjin in some form or another on Jump's online services since about 2013. Like, it started on the mobile service Jump Live and then was uh, reborn and continues on Jump Plus to this day. Both of these two have inarguably had more success than their former employer, but you can kind of see similar touches in their approaches to their work to what uh, Yukinori Karaguchi was doing on Hoopman, which is the sort of thing I love spotting when thinking about the assistant chart, which, uh, to anybody listening for the first time, the assistant chart is on the website. It shows who worked for who and how when it comes to Weekly Shonen Jump. It's neat and hopefully accurate. I've only added very small amounts to it myself. It was made by another dude. Uh, links in the episode description, hopefully. Uh, Yukinori Karaguchi hasn't gone away either. Sure, there was this huge gap between Hoopman's cancellation and his current work, dotted only by a single one-shot from what I can find. But as comebacks go, you'll rarely hear of better than getting paired with a Raki Joe on a silent series. Joe has formed something of a habit in rehabilitating failed Shonen Jump creators, bringing them under his wing for one of his many hospitality or alcohol-based series. Uh, having taken such creators as Asamu Kajisa, uh, who did Tattoo Hearts, which is a dreadful series, and the legend formerly known as Kiyu, Katsunori Masui, uh, and he pulled them from their short one or two volume work to legendarily long and healthy runs on Bartender and Sommelier, respectively. And it looks to be no different with Kawaguchi, Fingers crossed, knock on wood, uh, who's now drawing Hotelier for Iraqi Joe in Grand Jump Mucha, the recently renamed continuation of Grand Jump Premium. And if any of you guys know me, you know I live for Grand Jump stuff, so this is the happiest ending I can think of. And they all lived happily ever after. In Grand Jump, a magazine aimed at businessmen and similarly aged people. <laughs>